0: Have the Conversation Podcast.
1: Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation
0: Podcast. The have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Real people, real conversations. I am pumped to be part of Have the Conversation. Our guest this week is the intelligent, beautiful, and hilarious Lizzie Allen.
2: Lizzie is a comedian and therapist who, with the help of some really great people, has merged the two to create Hilarapy.
0: Hilarapy is a groundbreaking type of comedy therapy that helps to relieve emotional pain and stress, improve confidence and feelings of well-being and joy through the transformative power of authentic and vulnerable connection, combined with play, creativity, and shadow work.
2: Funny moments aside, this conversation is packed full of beautiful moments ranging from stigma and shame, the importance of learning from other people's perspectives, and the stunning realization that when you're ready to heal from the past traumas, a whole new world emerges, and it's wonderful, wild, and extremely funny. Head on over to HTC Pod after the episode to find ways to connect with Lizzie and Hilarapy, watch clips from this episode, and of Lizzie's stand-up. It's all there, and it's waiting for you.
0: While you're there, we'd love if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're working on great things for the HTC community and beyond, and we don't want you to miss out. That's HTCpod.com. Enjoy this one.
2: I'm trying to compose myself because (laughs) I have wanted to talk to you since I saw your TEDx. I think you're brilliant. I think you're lovely. (laughs) and you're just work, darling just <laughs> darling and the work, ladies ladies doing,
1: please <laughs> go on <laughs>
2: <laughs> continue continue yeah but no really the work that you you're doing um is, is so important i think and in seeing what the videos that you've been posting over the last couple of days too just to prepare for this it's kind of been a mirror back into my life of what i want for myself so it's I'm really excited to get to know you today so thank you for being here first of all
1: you are most welcome thank you so much for having me I love um you know I love connecting with people and sharing so cool
2: excellent all right well, let's just get started we want to know who is Lizzie Allen
1: um okay well you know these big these big questions these wow who is Lizzie Allen I mean that's going to bring up philosophical answers isn't it oh (laughs) how do you answer that question Oh, are you talking about specifically like,
2: like, who are you today? Like, how's it going?
1: <laughs> oh, it's, it's actually going really well. I've just, um, I've just booked myself onto the Hoffman process. Have you we heard of just,
2: that? I is that know. Wim Hof? Yeah, no. Oh,
1: no, no. No, that Wim Hof is the going in cold water, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah. Because We were just laughing about your video with Ellen okay. on that <laughs> and I was cracking up. So yeah, Hoffman, let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. So the Hoffman process is a seven day therapeutic retreat and it's been going for 60 years and it covers the spiritual, intellectual, emotional and physical marriage of a person. Whoa. So it's a seven day intensive and I've been really feeling the after effects of covid, you know, the the sort of um, fatigue that covid fatigue of all that kind of, you know, we've been going, it's OK, it'll pass soon. It'll yeah. pass soon. And now we're starting to be able to go out without our masks on and things like that. And I'm I'm kind of realizing that the last 16 months has been so challenging. And I'm only just taking a break from like hitting it really hard um, at work, you know, coming from being outward facing, doing on you know, in-person stuff and live shows and things that we had planned to suddenly quick, we're online. How can we support people online? And it was so much work, so many different, you know, spending a load of time and energy going down one route and then suddenly realizing that it was kind of didn't work. Right. So I'm just having a break now and realizing that I need to do some more therapy on myself. I think we all do. Right. We all need to keep working on ourselves. So um, but if you want to ask, like if you uh, an introduction to me would be that I am a comedy therapist. I do comedy as a comedian and I create uh, sketches and also stand-up shows and um, we're working on a three-woman show at the moment. Have you come across Karina and Ellen who are uh, my friends and we've been doing comedy for the last few years here and um, we're doing a three-woman show which is a kind of therapeutic and comedic look at the trauma, what what we struggle with today, where it comes from, and and then a kind of ultimately pushing through that fear and reclaiming our power.
0: Mm. Now, are those the, those the ladies that you do the YouTube videos with?
1: Yes, yes.
0: I watched your rap this morning, and oh, I yeah. sent it over to Kala because I was like it's very rare because it's, it talks about serious things like real life issues, but y'all made it hilarious. And that it, it takes like a very, I don't know, it's daring because those are, you know, serious subjects. And I guess that's the whole hilarity concept is, you know, you take the scary stuff, the traumatic stuff, and you make it more bearable by adding the humor. And I think that's just genius.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, well, yes, it is genius. Thank you for noticing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind if I say so. <laughs>
1: yeah, so no, but comedy ultimately is, has been doing that for centuries, hasn't it? It's, yeah. it's kind of, it's a great way to look at serious subjects in not so serious way and provide that kind of break from tension because ultimately that's what a joke does. You build up the tension with the um, setup and then you break it with the punchline. And life is very tense when we get too serious. You know, we build up a lot of tension. We live in a fear-based society where we're constantly bombarded with bad news and, and, and things to be worried about. And, and, you know, we have to break that tension and we do that in lots of ways, don't we? And humor is one of the ways that we as humans kind of get to go, oh, okay, mm-hmm. it's not that bad. You know, at least we're laughing together. That's something, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I can't tell you how many times I turned on The Office in the past year. It's like carried me through. <laughs>
1: oh. oh, I'm such a fan of The Office. It's <laughs> so good. And, you know, what I found during COVID is g- the Golden Girls.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: every single night I watch an episode and I fall asleep with it in my ears playing. And I'm on season um, my fourth round. Of all seven seasons, who's your favorite Golden Girl? What blows my mind is they're equally amazing, (laughs) and I switch between them. So sometimes I'm all about Sophia, sometimes I'm all about Blanche, and it just it just moves around because I'm just looking at them, and I'm like, they are their timing, their presence, their you know their the ingenuity to be different and to own their power as older people and you know, and to cover some of the subjects that they did at that time is like, oh, it's massive, right? It's massive.
2: Yeah. When and is there a moment where you thought this? I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, as far as comedy goes.
1: I think I was probably about eight when I first saw French and Saunders' sketch show on TV, and they're they're two women. They're like, they're. Did you ever see Absolutely Fabulous?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yes, <laughs> that yeah, that's Jennifer Saunders and she's one half of a sketch team French and Saunders and they ran the most successful um sketch show six seasons started in the 80s and they're still like brilliant today and I saw them having so much fun and I just said to myself I want to do that job mm-hmm. I want that job. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time that I realized that comedy was everything to me. Um, but through my own journey of mental health and addiction and family trauma and all of that stuff that I don't think really anyone escapes from um, I had to go through my own fear and blockages and shame and everything to actually say I'm worthy of of following my dreams I'm worthy of of the attention or standing up and, and being seen you know because success can be really scary right people want to shoot you down and you have to be able to kind of go well that's their stuff right and that that says more about them than me and so it's about kind of finding finding your way um but I've always worked with people I've always had a passion for people as well so during my 20s I began working um doing healthcare, home care like going and cycling around Bath and and um and going to visit little old ladies in their homes and helping them get dressed and, and give them food. And I'd always just be like fascinated with them and, and kind of want to know more. And, and so that's kind of how it started working with people. And then I moved into youth work and then I sort of just talked my way into youth offending team and the intervention service. And, And so I started to sort of move around children's homes and children's prisons. And then that was just too much for my sort of young sort of, my mid twenties, I just couldn't handle it because I kind of, I I was a functioning addict. So um, apart from when I had my, you know, when I was 19 and I mentioned in my Ted talk that I, you know, I ended up um, in a psychiatric ward and I believed I was Jesus reincarnated and all of those crazy things that come along with drug psychosis, but also a spiritual awakening. And um, but I, but I kind of like, right, I I have to get my life together and, and, and I was functioning. So I was getting really good jobs, but I kept smoking cannabis because I had this addiction to it and yet it made me really unwell. So I was there working in, in like police stations. So I had a key to custody when I was on the youth offending team and I'd have to be the appropriate adult I had to, at a kid's interview if their parents weren't available and they'd be like this, you can't smoke cannabis, you know, like anti-cannabis posters. And I'd be like, oh gosh, and, you know, <laughs> I'm living this double life. And then like, I'd be working in youth clubs and the kids would say, um, do you smoke dope? And I'd be like,
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to say that, right? Like, cause you want to be honest, but you also have to do the right thing. It's such, that's a conflicting thing for me that I've been navigating as well. Right. especially is it right is it helpful is it not what like that that's a big topic that's hard
1: tell me more about what you mean by that
2: <laughs> oh I'm I'm an addict as well <laughs> nice to meet you <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I mean I I struggle because um I don't want to make this about me this is about you today, Lizzie. but I didn't find it until I was in my 30s uh, I never had it growing up it was never anything like that and it actually was a thing that I used to get out of myself but instead it brought me to everything I wasn't dealing with so it's been a tool for me Mm -hmm. but I've also abused it Mm -hmm. so that's I mean that's why I'm saying I understand that
1: Mm -hmm. well addiction is like chronic um and you know we we, there's good addictions and bad addictions Mm -hmm. right
2: that's what it is right
1: yeah and um acceptable and unacceptable and and a lot a lot of that is is um is kind of wrong right it's like what difference if ju- i mean we're just like okay well alcohol addiction is totally fine because it's legal but addiction <laughs> okay. to cannabis in england is illegal so that's so so okay but so, so you start to get these kind of um societal pressures and then self stigma and shame and things like that but then there's all the addictions like social media or mm. you know like work food. Addiction, yeah. food, exercise you know i mean it's so socially acceptable to be an exercise addict right yeah, or to be t-
0: those bodybuilders
1: ex- obsessed
0: They're admired you know but their whole life revolves around their exact perfect diet and their workout schedule and that's not an appropriate way to live or to advertise as you could look like this but you have to literally give up everything you know
1: yeah and it's the obsession right and the compulsion and the control and it just like it swamps out everything and it can cause problems in every area of your life relationships and you know and well
0: so how do you feel then about the legalization of cannabis in a lot of states i think it's great
1: Mm -hmm. i think i think drugs should be legalized because you know making somebody's I think you know being in control of people's choices is ultimately a really kind of I think quite an outdated mode right like it's always like a few people at the top deciding that they allow you to do something and it's like it doesn't stop people doing it It, and it's a health crisis for uh so many people so not not necessarily cannabis but um cannabis has and does cause mental illness in lots of people but not all people and so some people can use it sensibly and some people um will suffer through their use of it or overuse of it or abuse of it
0: do you feel like that's a a predisposition kind of issue i
1: i don't i don't really know because i don't I think we're all so different and we're all rich tapestries and some people kind of will go through something very crippling in their life and then become an addict as a response to that. Other people will kind of grow up with very addictive tendencies. You know, there's no kind of set rules to anything, I think. And I think, some, you know, it's important that we do see each other as totally individual with you know different even with medication you know people want to you know doctors and everything medicate people for all sorts of things and some people respond to it and some people don't and you know we have a we have very different you know I don't know I'm rambling now guys no, take over great.
2: no 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 this is good I feel the same way I'm still caught off guard from what I said so I need to regroup a little okay bit. no well let's go back to that I think that's interesting no. well, let so, talk about me then <laughs>
1: yeah no
0: no 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 um well let's talk about hilarity how did your company come to be
1: well, it started as addictive comedy in England, and I started first of all, I started a, a comedy night for um at a dry bar for people in recovery. Well, it wasn't for people in recovery, but it was set up by people in recovery and advertised around the community of of um, people in recovery in recovery through, you know, this, the 12-step programs you get to know lots and lots of people and I was living in Manchester and I was at university doing my comedy writing and performance and a great friend who's hilarious She that we started it together and it was really successful everyone was like it was different to a comedy club vibe where everyone's drinking and nobody knows each other and you're a bit scared if the comedian's gonna rip you to shreds and um and I and I and then then I finished university and I started working for a charity and I was out there in the community, uh, helping build networks of support for um, people in recovery and we were kind of catching people out of prison and and sort of introducing them to all these amazing people who are actually just living beyond the past of you know and getting stuff done and a drug and alcohol service my charity um i suggested when i got the job that i could use comedy <laughs> as a way to help people talk about their you know their experiences and so we got some funding from the drug and alcohol service and then started to teach this course in a hard to reach area you know which had a lot of drug and crime problems and you know they paid for it all and and then i took those performers and I brought them to this lovely safe space that we'd created at Addictive Comedy Nights. And we bust in a load of people from the outside towns and villages of Manchester. And, and we all came together and these people performed, but they were really held in this healthy environment and celebrated. And it wasn't about how funny they were or how it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with how funny they were. It was just as soon as they got up on stage and even if they were really shy and just sort of read from the page, they were (laughs) celebrated because people saw into them. They knew, that they'd been through something to get up here on the stage. And so that was like the first part of really understanding the power of being able to uh, create a safe environment for people to um, go through some of the stuff, be supported there and then come out and talk about it. And then when I came over to Canada, which is um, where I wanted to progress with my own personal career of creativity and, and, you know whatever just work more on my own dreams and visions and what have you and um and I met my comedy friends out here through through recovery cir- circles because you can really connect when you're in recovery you can go anywhere in the world and just go to a 12-step meeting and you you make instant friends right mm-hmm. yeah and then, and then they thought be- about it like that before <laughs> yeah. You do you make a, I mean not straight away. Right. But after a time of coming to the same meetings and becoming familiar and giving, receiving of sort of wisdom and support, you start to really find some really awesome people because I mean, some of the most interesting people are in recovery. Right.
2: I think almost all,
1: (laughs) right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah? So they've been, at the very
2: least they have a story, you know,
1: exactly. And they're living to tell the tale, which is really where it's at, you know,
2: So that leads perfectly into when you found out you got your TEDx. Tell me about that.
1: Well, somebody put me forward for it. Uh, We have an online membership program and, um, and this speaker, this guy who's already got a speaking company, he joined. He wanted to be a bit more, access his humor a little bit more, learn a little bit more about that. He's quite funny already. I mean, he didn't necessarily, I shouldn't say that he needed us. So he came <laughs> and, uh, you know, and started to work on on, on some of his m- more supportive elements. And he suggested he said, Hey, I'm emceeing this TEDx event. And this year, instead of just advertising it, we're actually asking people to apply. And so he really put in a good word for me. And he did some coaching, he ended up being my coach as well, because you have a lot of coaching. And uh, yeah, it was a great, great experience. So
0: in your talk you talked about the stream of consciousness writing yeah how healing that was for you can you explain what that is
1: absolutely so uh we usually write with our left brain we're quite logical we don't necessarily write with our left brain but we think a lot you know when we're trying to sort of communicate something you know with grammar and all of that stuff so what we want to do is bypass our logical brain and try to get underneath and do our right side creative brain and it's a way of opening up our um access to our own creativity so what you do is you can set a timer for about 15 minutes and you can just write so write 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 don't stop to um make sure you've Analyze. spelt something right. Yeah. Or, or do, uh, if you don't spell it right, just keep going, right. Just write it like a sort of maniac. And, um, if you can't think of anything, just write waiting, 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 oh. and then you can just till your, till your pen starts writing. I have never had to write waiting once. <laughs> so <laughs> usually it's just kind of, it just comes and you have to really give yourself permission. You have to give yourself, mm. um, You have to say, like, make sure it's safe. Like, say to yourself, look, no one has to read this. I can burn it afterwards if I want to. I don't even have to read it. I can literally allow myself to say whatever. So you can really, you know, allow yourself to get out on the page. Some really painful stuff. So I usually use it around a subject that has been causing me upset or shame or guilt or embarrassment um, if I've got a strong re- emotional reaction to something, there's usually something funny there. So what I use is this stream of consciousness. And and then afterwards, you'll get a couple of light bulbs of absurdities. Um, I, I'll give you this example. While I was over in England about, I think about three or four years ago, my cousin died. It was awful. He just had... Um, a farming accident and was killed very suddenly and he's younger than me so it was just tragic and the uh at the time my family my mom is actually th- uh, my sister just celebrated three years of recovery and my mom just celebrated uh maybe three and a half or something she's a bit ahead of my sister and but at the time everyone was drinking and we went to this funeral and there was like a thousand people there and they ended up because it's a farming community and he did quite a lot of um charity work and things like he's a very popular young man but he was a massive drinker because you know English people are and it's totally acceptable and but I was in recovery and I was alone and I started to just not be able to kind of cope with it or it was very it was sort of upsetting to be so out of everybody else's way of celebrating him or commiserating it because it out came the alcohol and everyone was drinking and I was kind of alone with my pain and not really able to connect and it was really horrible and confusing and you know blah 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 and so I just did the stream of consciousness and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and out of it I managed to come home and write a comedy set about his death um and one of the you know, like these absurd thoughts came into my head. Like I was in the middle of the funeral, and this ego thought popped up. Like I wonder if I'll have this many people at my funeral. <laughs> you know, and then that can turn into jokes because you can take it further. Right? You can go, I wonder if I'll have a, you know, because he had a slideshow. I wonder if I'll have a slideshow of all the great things I did. We in watched my that, life. and yeah, <laughs> and we did, it, right? It's,
2: oh, it's, it's, so re- it's so funny. It's so so honest. <laughs> you're like Donnie, hold on I'll I'll talk to you
1: in a minute oh yes yes but I mean it gets ridiculous doesn't it when you start to overthink it but the interesting thing was is after that show um, a member of the audience this man he came up to me at the end and he said thank you so much my mum died two weeks ago and that really helped me to process her death a bit more you know which was like wow that's really cool right
2: yeah how do you handle feedback like that? Because I, I have to assume that you get that quite often. Um,
1: you have to assume it, do you? I do. I have to assume. <laughs> I love I'm language. I'm
2: such a fan.
0: <laughs> um, so here's more of that feedback. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Fe- feedback's interesting, isn't it? Because, well, I've done I've done a fair amount of therapy. I've trained as a therapist here in Canada, and it was a very hands on course where we had to go through our own trauma and pain and come out the other side as well in the first year specifically, because it would help us properly to understand the client and what they've been through. So I, I used to deflect, I used to just uh, not be able to take it and go, Oh, I don't think so. And, And that still rises in me sometimes as well. I mean, I'm sure you both know how hard it is to take compliments, right? Um, because are you being too big headed, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I've also learned in recovery as well. And in step work that actually it's quite arrogant not to take somebody's feedback or compliment, you know, positive compliment, because you're actually saying to them, I don't believe you, you know, I don't you're wrong and blah, blah, blah. So actually it's much easier to think about taking a compliment that way. When I think, well, this person is offering me, a a part of their heart and i know when i offer someone a compliment i mean it and Mm -hmm. you know and sometimes it's hard to pluck up the courage to give somebody a compliment because like sometimes i can put people on pedestals and think oh you're better than me and if i walk up to you and go oh you're so beautiful and i just think of the world of you they'll go oh get away from me peasant
2: (laughs) i don't know i think the accent makes it totally valid it's endearing it's charming you're good
1: (laughs) hilarious you guys are hilarious (laughs) (laughs)
2: so um
0: hilarity offers comedy workshops um what does that look like
1: so we we do um comedy courses common therapeutic comedy courses and workshops and the workshops are like over one or two days and we do a mixture of game playing and shadow work and so it's a kind of it's there's therapeutic experiential processes that encourage more connection to self and other and then there's lots of game playing using kind of some improv games and then some made up games that kind of marry improv and um you know shadow work stuff which uh which what is shadow work okay shadow works where you actually face those parts of yourself that you reject and kind of end up (laughs) pulling them back So a a really great exercise that I use in my workshops is this and in the comedy courses as well. Uh, So the comedy therapy courses, just as a side note, end with a stand-up comedy performance, but the workshops are more sort of deeply experiential and kind, you know, like less outcome... I'm going to shut up. Right. So backing up, there's... uh... (laughs) It's intense. There's a lot to it. <laughs> yeah. So, a, let's an example of shadow work would be. So, we'd set up this cocktail party, and everyone would have a post-it note, and you have to think of something that you cannot stand—a quality or not a quality, like a, something you cannot stand in another person's behavior. So, I hate arrogant people, for example. I cannot stand rude people or really victim-y people right so those those you pick one of those something that really run out of ink yeah okay so you pick the one that's got the most emotion for you like and then you get a post-it note and you write it on it and you stick it on your forehead And then you have to all out play that. So you give yourself permission to be totally arrogant and or really like a victim. Poor me, worry about me, you know? And you mingle with the other people and they've all got their post-it notes and everyone's behaving awfully, you know, terribly to each other. And it's really good fun. And then you sit down together and you talk about that. And the whole point of that exercise, in a nutshell, is to realize that we're taught in our family systems that it's not okay to brag about you know how great you are so you don't like arrogant people right so you rail against that thing that you weren't really allowed to do but the problem is is when we chuck out and we really stop ourselves being that we actually lose a part of ourselves there because you have to look at what when I'm when I was behaving arrogantly, and I was kind of just, you know, what qualities do you get from doing that? You know, you, you get what you want, right? Yeah. And uh, you're confident or, or something like that. So you when you ch- when you won't allow yourself to be really angry, you lose passion. So do you, do you understand where I'm going with this? Like, yeah,
2: it's almost like a, a self worth type thing is the way I'm picking up on it. You know, you when you act a certain way, like you said with the arrogance, you do you become more self-confident. You you become, you feel entitled to to have the feelings, to carry yourself a certain way, to act a certain way. And in that shadow work of if that's what you were told is unacceptable behavior, you're gonna shut that part of you down that says, I'm worthy enough to to go ahead and and have good things or nice things or want things for myself. Yeah, exactly. Correct? Yes. Okay.
1: You're pulling, <laughs> you're pulling back a part of yourself. You're you're realizing yeah, you're realizing you can get something back. and yeah, yeah, anyway, it's it's a long story that's quite hard to What imagine. a
2: cool no, it's a really cool exercise on projection, I think, for sure. How did you come up with that?
1: i I actually did it in another workshop in a sh- in a in a workshop I did years ago. I mean, these are the things about therapeutic processes is you either you either come across it because you went through somebody else's course or you were taught it in your own training and I did this course with Jamie Kato, who is a, a musician and a documentary maker and a filmmaker and he is um so inspiring I've done a couple of courses with him a few years back and he always says when he does his courses if you like any of these things use them in your own use them in your own nice. thing yeah. yeah so um I do my own version of it you know
2: yeah put your creative spin on it I dig it so, do you find though
0: that as you progress through your healing, you're kind of like worried maybe that, like, shit, I'm running out of material? No. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Always more work
1: to be done. Yeah. I mean, there's still big stuff about, like, um, I'll tell you this story because we're friends now. Yes. Um, Check. When I and, okay. I, and I don't put this out on the internet because I'm not ready, but I've started doing it in certain circles mm-hmm. is when i was about 27 i was over in when i was about exactly 27 <laughs> i was i was over in australia and i kind of fell in love really quickly and i was in a bit of a messy part of my life you know a bit running away still in 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 sort of whatever I I fell in love really quickly with this American woman who was absolutely amazing and she was over doing a film course and we collapsed into each other and it was all very codependent and you know the, the cocooning and all that worst kind of there, horrendous feeling <laughs> you know whatever <laughs> She went back to America and I didn't have enough money to follow her. And a couple of these friends that we'd met, um, just Australian friends, they said, well, why don't you do erotic massage?
2: <laughs> I like that. That's <laughs> their go-to. I mean, how very Australian. I'm so married awesome. to an Australian, so I can say that. <laughs> well, exactly, because it's because it's legal,
1: right? Oh, so I didn't it's like realize. Totally yeah, but it's totally legal. So you've got all these, like, it's not underground at all. You can just... So that's what I did for two months. <laughs> and it was like, you know, hilarious because I am not really what Stop, you might call- hold on, I'm not there yet,
2: <laughs> hold on. It's a more example. How do you go, that's not just a quick, so I did it. Like what was going on well, to the point where you, it was suggested to the point you did it? There has to be a story there.
0: I yeah.
1: There is a story there and it's turned into the most hilarious bit of stand-up I've ever done, right? <laughs> Um,
0: okay if you need to save it we understand
1: <laughs> no no I don't have to save it it's fine I, I mean I, what I'm using this as an example of is something that I'm not wholly ready for my immediate mm-hmm. community to know about me right because I <laughs> you know I'm I'm kind of like my mu- my mum knows I mean she's heard the the set because the set was freaking brilliant right it was so yeah. funny I can share the link with you if you want it's um yeah it's a private link I can give you the password it um it's so funny honestly it's so yeah funny. send it to us after <laughs> because it's the absurdity of kind of not being that kind of sex you know sex you know <laughs> it's,
2: it's hard to even sex. talk about <laughs> yeah you can't even say sex Se- uh, uh, yeah. sexual.
1: <laughs> I've got so many hang-ups around being a sexual being because you know that's oh, huge yeah. in my house right
2: yeah right big intimacy issues up. here lots too lots of houses <laughs> yeah
1: yeah
2: (laughs) there's a tentacle
1: thank you for for standing up me too me too (laughs) right (laughs) you know and then you swing the other way and end up being a freaking sex worker and it's like what the hell (laughs) happened everyone (laughs) and you know the funny thing was I mean I went home that day and I said well uh these two friends of ours they said I should go and work in you know just you know wank lots of men off essentially. And, and, uh, you know, and, and she, and, and I said, what do you think? She went, yeah, all right.
0: Once again, it still sounds classier with the accent. I mean, just, just something about it. So first day on the job, was it, Oh, better than you expected as expected horrible. it was horrible <laughs> but you know what the uh
1: the worst part about the job which you would think would be actually getting naked and massaging a man
0: <laughs> yeah or the cleanup I don't
1: know. <laughs> oh my god
0: oh uh, sorry coming guys. back
1: to me now um you think that the worst part of it was is like you had to kind of go and introduce yourself with this fake name and then yeah, and and hi I'm did
0: you change your name every time no I
1: had this one name but when I do my comedy show I check I, I give a fake fake name right so I don't give the real fake name that I actually used gotcha. I give the stupid name Chardonnay because it's hilarious right <laughs> hi I'm Chardonnay <laughs> like, <laughs> you know um so okay go back back to the original point point. rather not get into this whole story here okay. um the the point is is I've still got to work through some of that stuff and yeah. so there's so much humor there when I'm ready to face it and I'm kind of going to this Hoffman process and um I've done I've done about 12 hours of pre-process work which is all these questions about growing up and I've already got um insight into mm-hmm. like some of the things that I just haven't kind of previously seen you know wow. in the last few days which is interesting and so Karina came over yesterday the uh, other the third member of our group and we 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 just swapped stories of our 80s childhood all day you know, all <laughs> that's like, amazing and it was so funny and these are the things we want to kind of explore in the show so
0: mm. is yeah. she the brunette yeah the She gives me major Zoe Deschanel vibes. She's so good.
1: who is she? Who who's that?
0: So Zoe, she was um, she started New Girl. She was on Elf.
1: Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. The
0: female lead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's like it's the hair and the eyes and the goofiness. It's it's a compliment. She's
1: so talented. I'm so. I mean, we're all just um, just so kind of talented so yeah
2: (laughs) it's such a it's such a creative force seeing seeing what you guys are doing what's a typical day like when you are in the office or at hq or however you want to call it what does it look like when you guys are all around the table together
1: um we we go away on writing weekends and um (laughs) we do a lot of kind of opening up with each other and sharing and having a cry and all of those things and that supportive side of things but then we also we're kind of getting into the flow now we're finding our own way of doing things but it's brilliant out come the costumes <laughs> yeah. out come the ridiculousness and then we're just like yeah yeah and then you know <laughs> i usually stand up and start sort of striding about and kind of deciding like to pull down things you know say how powerful we are do you know we can do anything we can go anywhere we're amazing you know and then they're like yeah all right let's do it and i'm like <laughs> we can nightmare. do it guys honestly we can go all the way <laughs> So well,
0: that's the best part. As you can really tell, you guys are having a blast, and it yes. goes through. Yeah, you know, you're not just putting on that's an act; place. like you're thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, and it makes people who watch enjoy it.
1: Absolutely, that's part, and that's that's kind of what I have majorly learned. The very best comedy shows that we've done live is when we are just enjoying it. So, mm-hmm. that's kind of one of the main things you have to say. And that that's what that's life, right? You have mm-hmm. to just you know, I, I always say this to my students. It's not about what we get to at the end. It's about the quality of our journey. Yeah. So, and I say that to my friends that we make comedy with, I say, if this isn't fun and we're not going to have a good time doing it, then there won't be any point doing it. So that's
0: literally what Kala tells me every day. Right. <laughs> that's Kala's motto. Well,
2: that is my motto.
1: Then you've got it right.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you. We're trying. We're trying. I know our vision here at HTC has changed a lot. How is, I know you've changed names from addictive comedy to hilarity. What else has kind of evolved or changed the most from when you had this initial idea?
1: Uh, I have changed the most. <laughs> I used to run <laughs> away. I used to run away all the time and move, you know. Um, I'm quite adventurous, so I like to go on these solo trips and, you know, just go off to some random country and, and kind of hang out for a while but I used to I used to feel properly unlovable and I didn't even know it was really my truth but I just used to find the proof and so since doing my much deeper therapeutic work since kind of challenging myself to do more with comedy and therapeutic comedy um, I'm in a relationship for over six years now isn't that interesting whoa whoa um, <laughs> I could never get past the two year mark um so yeah I mean that's different about me now I'm here to stay and I feel very uh comfortable and happy in my life and um I just I just have the best time I'm just so blessed (laughs) I'm really good at attracting abundance um that (laughs) I see
0: that vision board behind you
1: Oh, that's my old vision (laughs) board. Do you want to see my new one?
2: Yeah, please. Yes, oh my gosh, share. Give me
1: one second then, okay? Okay. Because I have to go out the room and you'll see how messy uh, my, my, that's supposed to be my, we're not supposed to, it's my sort of meditation table. Hang on. You're
2: supposed to do one every year, right? I think so. Oh my gosh.
0: There's Oprah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) She needs to be there. Yeah, she does. Ask her what Lady Gaga's
2: saying. What was Lady Gaga saying? I need to know.
1: So I have this dream of go, uh, going on to the main stage at Glastonbury Festival, which is the Pyramid Stage. You've heard of Glastonbury Festival, yes? yes. Okay. So she's lit. I, I just don't think that I would be a headliner act because it's people like Beyonce and Dolly Parton and Coldplay and Lady and Gaga, Lizzie
0: Allen, and so and Lizzie she's, Allen. she's <laughs> just
1: getting me on as a friend, right? So she's going hey, I'm welcoming Lizzie Allen to the stage as a friend, you know, just doing me a favor, right? Because I'm Solid, making yeah. my dreams come true. It doesn't necessarily have to be her. It can be anyone, but uh, I'm not picky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what inspired you to make your vision boards? Um, because they help me
1: think and feel and know. Every time I look at it, I feel good. I'm like, mm. yeah. It's mm. happened already, you know. I'm good with that. If it doesn't happen, I'm good with it too because I already feel like it's happened.
0: Yeah, feel that's like so true. A, a good amount of things that you put on there, they become manifested in your life. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, I've got I've got my comedy rap album on there because that came to me while I was uh, <laughs> while I was in a psych, psychic psychic psychiatric psychiatric state.
0: Yeah, and, yeah.
1: Um, so I've already, you know, we've already begun doing those comedy raps and i know when i meet some decent music producers like dre or whoever else like maybe maybe like um i quite like will i am he's a bit poppy right like he could he could get he could get get the crowd pumping and uh, then i just kind of want to put in my comedy flow into that Mm -hmm. and a book as well which uh, is currently under construction and will be it's a how-to hilarity guide so it's like hope you can read it and understand why and read some of the stories and stuff and also be able to set up your own group and do a kind of peer support comedy therapy group off your own back Mm -hmm. which is what I want to sort of empower people
2: yeah have you been enjoying the book writing process
1: well, um, yes, actually, I have indeed been enjoying it. I've been getting some help with it. Wink, wink.
2: Needed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, it will be, the manuscript will be finished at the end of this month. And then we have to Congratulations. work out, Thank you. Yeah. Then That's we have big. to work. Yes. And then we just have to work out how to launch it. Like, how do you do all of that? But that's another day to think about that. I can't, can't right now. Well, let
2: me know when you... <laughs> yeah. For
1: sure. I'm getting embarrassed now.
2: No, don't be. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Do you have like a favorite... Because
0: you do improv, you guys do like the characters and you do stand-up. Do you have a favorite type of comedy that kind of speaks to you the most?
1: I, I love the process of making stuff on film so Mm -hmm. sketch comedy and the music videos are fun um writing and but I also like live shows as well they're really amazing and fun and brilliant because I love the sort of live experience of bringing people and sort of creating that that amazing collective joy or you know yeah Yeah. powerful energy yeah yeah
2: to know that you're at the center of that that has to feel pretty cool we talked a little bit about ego when we were talking about other things um how do you deal with it because I, I know we all do you know or Leanne and I both do we have to put ourselves in check sometimes um how do you work through that
1: I yeah I mean ego is so sneaky isn't it it's like we think of it as being arrogant and things like that, but it also comes in the form of self depreciation and lack of self-worth and things like that. So I continue to, um, do the work, right. I mean, as a person in recovery, I can't really stay still. I've got to keep, Mm -hmm. I've got to keep a connection with my higher power. And that for me looks like, um, writing in my diary, diary who says diary unless you're like I mean,
2: 14. I
1: mean <laughs> i for it. I thought like diary why am I saying diary <laughs> journal like never oh my god. Um...
2: <laughs> I say
0: diary if it makes you feel any better but I haven't written in my diary since I was 12. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> but that's my problem not yours.
1: Right right right. Um... Yeah, I've been learning quite a lot from Science of the Mind and I did a foundations training course in that and that was really helpful. And are you familiar with Science of the Mind? I'm not, tell us about it. You know, Louise Hay, you can heal your life. Yeah. So Louise Hay was a practitioner and a minister from Science of the Mind. And it's basically a kind of all of this law of attraction, what you put your mind to and the physical and the intellect and the physical and the spiritual and the emotional are all fit all one and it's not religious it's spiritual and there's these centers for spiritual living all over the world that look at spiritual teachings whether they come from religious texts or you know you know it could be um Eckhart Tolle it could be anyone who's written anything about you know kind of how do you explain
2: like life and the human experience,
1: essentially? Yeah, I mean, it's just the way the the science of the mind. It's like if you constantly, if you think the universe is a friendly place, you will get that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that confirmed to you. Because nothing exists except in your own head, right? So we create our whole reality by the thoughts that we think. And we, the mistake that most of us in the West make when we're not, um, you know, in balance with our spirit or full balance of all of it is that we try to change everything outside of ourselves to feel better inside yes. of ourselves, but the science Been of there, mind, yeah. Well, haven't we all right. And still, yeah. and still go there, right. Yeah. Still go out to the shops to buy stuff instead of, <laughs> you know, oh, now you got Amazon,
0: there. just sit down and scroll. It's a bit of problem. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Or skip the dishes.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, science of the mind. And so that taught me this amazing, uh, they call it a mind treatment, which is another fancy way of saying prayer. But I know that prayer, mm-hmm. the word prayer, always people think of um, religions and mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, I even think oh, the word prayer and oh, the word God. But I use it in my vocabulary because yeah. you can't really explain God. I mean, how can anyone have the authority on what God is? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, this amazing. Did you? go on go ahead no I don't want to you sure
2: (laughs) respect respect no um did you grow up religious or spiritual or that was not a part of your spiritual
1: yeah so when I was growing up um my mum was not religious at all and I went to a church of England school but church of England is is like not that you know not that pushy nice. <laughs> you know it's not yeah. like it's not like catholic there's no sort of misery doom or gloom there's just sort of like songs of praise and and you know and
2: sounds kind of nice actually it is that's it's, how my husband grew up and i grew up catholic so those two are just hilarious yeah
1: yeah i mean they don't come out
2: did
0: she freeze for you too cal yeah oh there she is oh you're back okay. you just froze
1: okay sorry <laughs> sorry for the freezing um uh, where were we I don't know where religion I really religion.
2: growing up you said your mom wasn't but you grew up Church of England and uh yeah how so, about your dad
1: um no my dad was anti every authority known to he was yeah. um my mum left him when I was two and he was a um an addict and he actually, when he got past his divorce papers, he realized what he'd lost and he got into recovery and came back into our lives and was then, you know, then we saw him on weekends and he's a really funny guy. And it was a lot of fun to have him back. Um, and he, you know, he was just breaking every rule in the book on purpose and, and saying, you mustn't follow rules, carry on, you know, which was interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah.
2: yeah, to grow up that way for sure.
1: Yeah. So, um, no, but the, the, the fascinating thing was, is when I was about 14, my mum had a breakdown, um, and she had kind of like churned up all this kind of trauma from, from growing up with my, my grandpa, who was a schizophrenic doctor. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Whoa, shit
1: shit is right
2: <laughs> everybody
1: believes a doctor and yeah. and then he got I made.
2: mean there's your next skit right
1: <laughs> oh I've covered some of that right I've covered yeah. some of that and um and definitely there's so much there's so much I've learned so much because I don't trust doctors. We don't trust doctors in our house. Right. So I don't immediately trust a doctor when they say you should be on this medication. I'm like, Hmm, I think there's other ways. So back to my point, my mum knew that she wasn't going to go down the doctor medical Western approach to getting well from this, you know, upset she was in that was quite big so she bought all the books and did all the courses, and it was all meditation. And her bookshelf was full of animal wisdom, you know, Native American animal wisdom. Louise Hay, Eckhart Tolle, um, Celestine prophecy, yeah. conversations with God. You can heal your life. It was just like uh, runes.
2: She was determined <laughs> she was,
1: and I was. I was like upstairs smoking weed in my bedroom at like 15 and I would just come down and get the stones and the side cards and the astrology books and I would start like, I was so fascinated with it and I have been yeah. ever since. And, um, so I've constantly been learning from all the teachers. And then when the internet came out, we had all the YouTube videos. So I'd go to sleep with the YouTube videos on Wayne Dyer, you know, you've got all those, all the big hitters (laughs) and, and you, and you go through phases with them and, or I went through phases with them and learn a lot and then move on to another teacher and learn a lot, go off and do a meditation course, go off and do an astrology course. So over time, I just, my own interest and fascination in everything that's explaining the power that is, you know, explaining Mm -hmm. the energy that runs through us, the love, the fear, all that, the light, the dark. I started just really to be able to talk about it with my friends and family and stuff like that. So it's a natural part of what I do at Hilara is spiritual as well. Mm -hmm.
0: That is so cool to have an upbringing like that. I, I actually stumbled across the Celestine prophecy. My, um, one of my friends about seven or eight years ago, um, she lived by it. She was I mean, pretty woo-woo, um, but she loved this book and gave it to me for my birthday. And it comes with like a guide too. So like you read the book, it's like a fictional story about a guy who like basically he goes to South America and like does all this stuff. It's, it's like a progressive stories and he downloads these insights to in, okay. kind of from the universe every chapter. But every chapter comes with an experiential guide where it like teaches you how to apply it to your own life. And it taught me about like the ways my grandparents interacted. Like it, it gives people kind of four different titles. I'm getting way too far into this, but um, <laughs> this is my jam. So... Um, <laughs> It like gives people like you're either, I forget the, the terms, but you, you're labeled a certain way. The way you handle conflict is, is what you are. Like you're an aggressor or an um, interrogator or a victim. And then there's like one other one, but the, you kind of, it makes you go backwards. Like you are this way because your mom did this and your dad did this. And they're this way because their parents did this and they did this. And it helps you like empathize more with the way you were brought up I think. Yeah, it, it, it was amazing. I loved. that. I, I should go through that again. That was it. It was like a <laughs> course. It was so cool. So to have that at a young age, I think is amazing.
1: Yeah, I discovered it. And um, I was blown away because it suddenly it showed me a different way to see my, my life and myself and, and each other and energy, right? Because it covers energy, doesn't yeah, it? It does. It says you can you can see energy if you want to. You can see people's plants, energy, the stones, energy. It's all vibration. It introduces yeah. you to these bigger concepts of what reality is because we're very intellectual in the West. If you can't yeah. see it or touch it or taste it, don't claim it's there. So yeah. we're only just now actually learning that we can, you know, we can life is about vibration and reality isn't necessarily everything that you think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to, I want to talk about your your comedy for a little bit. Um, I love listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, and when he has other comedians on, just because I love hearing about what gave people the courage to get up on stage and tell jokes and just assume or hope that people will accept them and laugh. Like, what was your first time on stage like? Awful. <laughs> was it worse than your first day massaging? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, my first day um doing the old um massage job that was really that was really weird because this man just stared at me like and when I, and when I spoke to him, he was really quiet. It was fine if people spoke back to me because it really normalized things like, oh, how was, how was the football today or whatever? Or how's the, yeah, the weather's that weather, nice.
0: huh? Yeah, it is oh like that, God. right? But he was just,
1: oh he was just, I was just like, this is something out of a fricking horror movie right yeah. now.
0: Were you scared? Oh, mm,
1: a pre, I think, yeah, I had a flash, right? I had a flash yeah. of, of, oof, this could go yeah. wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah. This could go wrong, but then you remind yourself that actually you're you I think there's a I think there's even a panic button or anything in the room. I think there is stuff that and everything's on camera, not in the room. Oh okay. but They know who this guy is, right? Okay. He has to show his ID oh and everything. Gosh. So it wasn't underground. Anyway, back to that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was one kind of performance, wasn't it? Think about it. Um first time on stage I did a stand-up comedy course like a just a one I found in a newspaper when I was 25 and um I I don't think it was that bad but I never I didn't write anything I could never really write a joke because I just couldn't really get my head around it without any help like now I know I need to write with other people it really helps me to write with other people um or at least bounce it with other people who write comedy that really helps um and i and i ended up being the mc and i just you know i just said a load of whatever came through my head and it was okay it, it, was, it was i winged it i i mean the first time i was on stage was that was okay i guess um but there was some really awful times where i went and i did like beat the gong at um you know the comedy store
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. it's all over the world isn't it so yeah they had one in, they have one in manchester and i did a beat the gong but it's pretty grim right they're really they're, there, they're like they want to chop your head off it's like the mm-hmm. gladiators of comedy right they want you to make <laughs> is like a mistake. yeah kind of no point. you have to get up and do like i don't know five or ten minutes but the audience is really aggressive yes and there's three people oh, in the yeah. audience oh well there's two yeah and and then this guy's judging and if people are like boo that's rubbish whatever they bang the gong and you have to go off and then it's like a competition oh. and there's another comedy club called the frog and bucket which is a famous one in manchester hey have you seen that um netflix show with that comedian from canada oh, oh, it's so good it's she's written like it's a sketch show uh, not a sketch show i am um, Uh, Anyway, it's filmed in the frog in bucket. She's moved to England. It's brilliant. I'll have to send you the link when I find it. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so yeah, and they they have three frogs. So they give like um, a picture of a frog to three people in the audience. And if three people hold it up and say, you're fucking crap. You, mm-hmm. you have to leave it's really shameful and embarrassing oh my
2: gosh how do you even stay on your content that would be so I, hard I didn't, didn't
1: have any content that well, was the yeah. mistake I made <laughs> I just got up and just rambled and it was like the biggest mistake because I didn't know any better right I just want I kind of wanted to get myself out there and do stuff but I didn't know how and that was like mm-hmm. you know you it wasn't, your,
2: immerse yourself in it right
1: yeah and of course I, oh, I, don't, oh, I don't even want to go into that next subject <laughs>
0: but how funny though that now you're mentoring and teaching other people how to like kind of create their own comedy out of what they've been through
1: yeah well this is it isn't it if you go through the trauma of being terrible on the stage you can kind of work out what went wrong and how and why so making those mistakes is part of it but I also wanted to bring comedy out of that kind of emotionally violent atmosphere mm. and bring it somewhere else. Because as you can tell, I'm quite vulnerable and open.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: if I get up on stage in the wrong environment and start kind of, it almost felt like, an excuse the pun, prostituting myself.
2: Mm. <laughs> it
1: felt like that because it was like, I'm trying to get you to laugh at my stuff. And you're either going to go, no, it's not very funny. Or you're going to go, oh, yeah, it's really funny, but I feel really sad for you because you Mm. haven't dealt with it. Right. So I see that a lot when I go to comedy clubs is I see people um, doing themselves a great disservice that they're actually in a lot of pain with 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 how they're living and how disconnected they feel from their self and each other. And they end up sharing very, very vulnerable things because they're trying to find connection and they're trying to mm-hmm. find love and acceptance and they're getting it through the laughter, but then it stops and there's no, yeah. you know, there's no continuation for that. So um, I'm, I'm, I had to discover the hard way that I don't need to be in those situations. I, I, There's a better way for me. And, and so really that's part of what I'm doing is I'm opening up a, a space and saying, this is a different way of using comedy and we this is my house and these are my house rules and you guys are in a therapy session so the audience are made aware that I mean not I shouldn't say when we do our own shows like me Karina and Ellen if we do our own shows we start we we just go all out we'll do like um you know lip syncs and and, um, well the
2: sisterhood is already there exactly. you can just launch it's yeah you have to itself. bring other people into the experience when you're on stage and let them kind of yeah be a part of it
1: yeah so there's like you know if, if I'm doing uh yeah if I'm doing a student show that's when we create that safe space but yeah. you know I mean we have a choice here to not to create we create our own safe space actually in our own shows I'm just, I'll just say that yeah before. yeah
0: when do those live shows the three, with the three of you guys or have they started already
1: uh we we are still in the process of un uh, you know unfolding our covid restrictions oh, gotcha. here mm-hmm. so we're having a few problems with actually confirmation from theater spaces and things like that but as soon as we are able to you know able to get into a space and not have all the covid restrictions which i think they're going to lift in september so yeah, so we're writing it now, and that one we want to tour as well. That's the that's mm. a kind of hilarity like beast that we want to take over to England. Partly because we want to write it off and just have a really good adventure in England <laughs> together. Um, <laughs> totally. But you know, as a kind of signature hilarity move, right? So we take people on a journey of like using theatrical techniques to take people into. Um, quite an emotional and raw place and then take them out of it again and, and create like huge opportunities to laugh and mm. and find joy and then and then ultimately break through so it's kind of taking them through what you might go through in a group therapy process yeah. or uh, you know like a sort of retreat or something like that um but using mixed media so we will use um you know bringing I did, I did a one woman show and I pre-recorded myself playing my ego. And then the whole back of the, the, the stage was like a cinema screen. And every now and again, my entire, like I would, my ego would come in and say, I just want to tell you, you're like, shit you know that right (laughs) and I'd be like yes thank you I'm well aware (laughs) you know and I'd have this kind of constant like bashing from my ego and then at the end that's me in my kitchen every day (laughs)
2: that's real
0: life
1: yeah and I'd done this in a therapeutic process right I'd had an ego face-off it's a therapeutic process where you kind of sit in one chair and you say to your ego like why do you put me down all the time and then you get into your egos then you get in the other chair and you say to yourself as your ego you speak from your ego it's like because you are not good enough and I'm trying to help you know and you and you go back mm-hmm. and forth playing yourself and your ego and eventually you realize that your ego actually just tried trying to protect you but it's living from a place of childhood right we create these um the ego steps up to help us in childhood mm-hmm. it's like a strategy. But wow. when we're adults and we haven't actually faced it, we, we end up with a really abusive ego yeah. and we have to reassign it. You know, can you, can you help me out instead of <laughs> bullying me all the Beat time? Beat me
0: down.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make me cower in a corner. <laughs> yeah. What, what fuels you wanting to continue to do this work for, not only just for yourself, but for other people?
1: I don't know. I think it's almost like, I don't, I feel like I don't really have a choice just keeps rolling forward you know opportunities come people ring me up um in alignment yeah yeah it just seems as if it came together and I was like all right carry on then (laughs) (laughs) that's what it feels like I mean I'm passionate I'm passionate about the evolution of the planet I'm passionate about I mean the other day I went have we got enough time
0: keep going if you've got time we've got time
1: Uh, The other the other day, uh, a couple of days ago, I was invited onto an inclusion panel down at the down at the Semi native band um, land. And it was sort of a panel of nine people. And then all these uh, people from the community, because we wanted to discuss, um, you know, all the difficulties that have been coming up recently with, you know, uh, hate crime against um, Chinese people and, you know, all the stuff that's happening with native people and everything and i represented the lgbtq and we only had two minutes each but i got there and everyone was there and we were we were in a gathering for the first time in freaking years it feels like and i was like wow. like this kid going well, what do you think And the guy next to me was like a, a psychiatrist um, a muslim psychiatrist and he said Not because like this is irrelevant that he's Muslim. That was why he was kind of talking. That was his talking point. But he was quite a shut shut down person. He was didn't really want to engage too much with me and ask. Oh, this is so exciting, isn't it? This is so exciting. And he was just like. Yes it's very nice yes and and I'm looking around and everyone's all doing the old prim and proper thing that you do when you're in public and I'm really wanting to go oh my god I'm so excited to be here but it's not my show so I can't do anything so I'm just sitting there and (laughs) um but I did have a chance to jump up and tell everyone that I was just happy just so freaking happy to be in in this space with people and and I'm feeling it now it's just like when we were able to access our love and our joy and not have all that strategy and fear and ego voice, trying to keep us in a box and mm-hmm. telling us to be careful and stay small and don't upset anyone and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's so exciting being alive. Like life is just so cool. It
0: really is. Yeah. What, what was that gathering? Like, like what came of that?
1: Um, it was a friend of mine who's in the political, um, where are you guys based by the way
2: so we're the company's dallas based but i just moved to another state with my husband's job so i'm currently in alla freaking bama oh cool <laughs> and I'm in Dallas.
1: Cool. Yeah. oh so cool well, when i come down that way i'd love to meet up for a cup of tea with one, one or both of you that'd be awesome if you're in absolutely areas. i'll make it a road trip you just made sure. calla's
0: entire
2: week you have no idea <laughs>
1: Well, the thing I've discovered about Canada is that it's hugely good at community. And I Mm -hmm. did not experience community to this level until I came here. And my partner is very active in the community. And she's on every single board in White Rock. And White Rock's quite a small city. And, you know, she's on the arts and culture and the packer and this, that and the other. And now she wants to run for council. And so I know lots of people because of all this networking that that she's. Well, I guess that we all do. And I was invited onto it and it's opened up the conversation. And this woman got up and she's um, a representative of the native community here. And she just let us know how discriminated against native people are here and have been for such a long time. And all the atrocities that are now coming to light with all these children that have been found. So you've got these mass graves of like 200 children being found all over Canada. But the yeah. thing is, is they haven't just been found, right? It's just that we're just getting press coverage of it. Because been covered up.
2: yeah. Like
1: oh These God. people know these children didn't come home and they've gone to those schools and they've done, I'm getting like the shivers of spirit here. No, it's I know. just like, you know, they know. Yeah, they know. And it's, and it's like, it's what gets through to the public isn't it yeah. it's what actually makes it through um and and now it's starting to come through and people are wanting to heal and bridge this gap between between um communities and stuff like that so that's what it was it's the beginning of more but it's given me lots of ideas for what we could do
0: yeah. for the community Fuel forward
1: yeah to to give voice right i i yeah. want to help Comedy is great for that, right? Because you can let people know how, what it's like being in your world without lecturing, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and you can you can bring so much um, empathy and connection and healing and peace and joy with being able to communicate things through comedy. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's some room for movement there, and it's just getting to yeah. know more people.
2: You're the woman for the job. That's I, I agree. Are. I completely agree i accept (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today lizzie seriously it was really cool it's been a dream (laughs) and i have to tell you um your comedy is going to change the world and it already has in mind so thank you Mm. seriously Mm -hmm. thank you (laughs) thank you Kala. i appreciate that of course i accept your affirmation i accept it (laughs) Good. Good. Well, we will be in touch and we will talk with you very soon. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Lovely to meet you both and you uh, see you again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Bye, Lizzie. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HTC community.
0: You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Have the combo. For information on all of our shows, guests and more, visit HTCPod.com. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode.
2: Talk soon.